sing as we honor the truth. Amen. Amen. Stand as we honor the reading of the wonderful word of the Lord. Today we're looking in the book of Matthew chapter number 24. Matthew chapter number 24. We're going to begin reading with verse number 32. It'll come on the screen momentarily. Matthew chapter number 24 began reading with verse number 32. Today I'm reading from the New Living Translation. Jesus says, now learn a lesson from the fig tree. When its branches bud and its leaves begin to sprout, you know that summer is near. In the same way, when you see all these things, you can know his return is very near right at the door. I tell you the truth. This generation will not pass from the scene until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will disappear, but my words will never disappear. However, no one knows the day or hour when these things will happen. Not even the angels in heaven or the Son himself, only the Father knows. When the Son of Man returns, it will be like it was in the Days of Noah. In those days before the flood, the people were enjoying banquets and parties and weddings right up to the time Noah entered his boat. People didn't realize what was going to happen until the flood came and swept them all away. That is the way it will be when the Son of Man comes. Two men will be working together in the field. One will be taken, the other left. Two women will be grinding flour at the mill. One will be taken the other left. So you too must keep watch, for you don't know what day your Lord is coming. Understand this, if a homeowner knew exactly when a burglar was coming, he would keep watch and not permit his house to be broken into. You also must be ready all the time, for the Son of Man will come when least expected. This morning I want to talk to you for a little bit about the return of Christ. Father, I thank you for the word of God. Your word is truth. And I thank you, Lord, that you have told us all that we need to know about the days, weeks, months, and eternity ahead. God, I just pray today that you will anoint your word, anoint your messenger, anoint your people to hear the word of God today. Lord, if there's one person here today or more that they are not ready for your return, I pray that today will be the day that they get ready and prepare their heart for the coming of the Lord. We ask for your help today, all for the glory of God. All of God's people said, praise the Lord. Lord. You may be reseated this morning. Well, according to the Mayan calendar, we're not supposed to be here today. The world was supposed to come to an end on December the 21st, two thousand and. 12. Well, here it is, December 30th, and we are still here. I guess they were wrong. Let's talk a little bit this morning about the return of our Lord and the end of planet Earth as we know it today. Six things I want to talk about as we talk about the return of Christ. The first thing I want to talk about today is the certainty. Talk about the certainty. And you see, it's a matter of fact. Jesus will Return. It's only a matter of time. 
Matthew 24, verse 33 through 35, that we read in the same way, Jesus said, when you see all of these things, he said, you can know. You can what? Jesus said, you can know his return is very near, even at the door. Jesus said, I tell you the truth, this generation will not pass from the scene until all these things take place. Jesus said, heaven and earth will disappear, but he said, my word, what I'm telling you, will never disappear. Jesus told us also in John chapter 14, verse 2 and 3, Jesus says there, there is more than enough room in my Father's home. Oh, I like that rendering of it. Jesus said, there is more than enough room in my Father's home. He said, if this were not so, he said, would I have told you that I am going to prepare a place for you? And he said, when everything is ready, he said, I will come and I will get you so that you will always be with me where I am. Paul wrote in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 16 and 17, he said, the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God. First, he writes, the Christians who have died will rise from their graves. Then together with them, we who are still alive and remain on the earth, we will be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And there we will always be with the Lord. I've just read three. I could have read many more scriptures that proclaim the certainty of the return of Jesus Christ. Well, pastor, you, you, you might argue, I've heard about the return of Christ all my life. And it still hasn't happened. Well, just remember, just because it hasn't happened doesn't mean it won't happen. I remember when I was just a little boy. I was just a little boy and I remember as a, as a little boy hearing about phones that not only could you hear the other person on the other end, you could see their face. I mean, that was back when we still had a party line. And most, you know, well, most of you know what a party line is. Second service won't have a clue. You still had to pick up the phone and talk to the operator. When I was just a little bitty boy, I heard that someday there was going to be phones that you could not only hear the other person on the other line, you could actually see their faces. I heard about it for over 40 years before Skype. See, just because something hasn't happened doesn't mean it won't. I remember as a little boy hearing about cars that would fly when I was a kid. I talked about cars that would fly like George Jetson's car. I heard about that for 40 to 50 years. Just a couple of weeks ago, I was flipping channels, and I saw a documentary on flying cars. There actually are. They've, all, they've made 
flying cars. Hey, just because something hasn't happened, that doesn't mean that it won't. Now, I'm not a betting man. I won't bet on anything. I won't even bet a quarter on God. I won't, I'm not a betting man. I don't bet. But if I was, I would definitely bet on the return of the Lord Jesus Christ because it's one bet that I would be guaranteed Amen. to win. Hallelujah. Second thing I want to talk about is the calculating. Man has always tried to calculate the time of Christ's return and the time of the end of the world. Man has always ended up miscalculating. For the past several weeks, we've, we've heard all the hoopla about the Mayan calendar, which predicted the end of the world to be December the 21st, 2012. Before that, Harold Camping, remember him? Harold Camping predicted the rapture of the church, gave the date and the time. The date and time came, no rapture, and so he recalculated, gave another date that also passed, no rapture. In 1988, the book, 88 Reasons, remember that book? In 1988, the book, 88 Reasons Why Jesus Will Return in 1988, was written and it made international news. And people flocked to church. People that hadn't been to church in years came to church because they believed the rapture was going to take place in 1988 and they were going to miss out. Record crowds started going to church in 1988. People ask me, Pastor, what do you think about the book? I said, if it were 1989, would there be 89 reasons? If it were 1987, would there be 87 reasons why he'll come in 1987? 1988 was 24 years ago and Jesus still has not returned. You see, people who try to calculate the exact time of the return of Christ will always end up miscalculating. Matthew 24, verse 36, Jesus said of that day and that hour, no one knows. Who knows? Of that day and that hour, no one knows. Not even the angels of heaven. Only my Father knows. Let me tell you this morning that when it comes down to where the rubber meets the road, there are really only three things that we need to know about the return of Christ. You can, you can get all the latest books on end time prophecy if you want. There's nothing wrong with that. And you can study all of that if you want. And, and you can try and figure out every little detail if you want. But let me just tell you, there's only three things that we really need to know about the coming of the Lord. Number one, Jesus is coming. We need to know that. Jesus is coming. Number two, nobody knows when he's coming. So don't get all shook up when somebody comes out with 2013 reasons why Jesus will come in 2013. 
Only three things you need to know about the coming of the Lord. Number one, Jesus is coming. Number two, nobody knows when he's coming. And number three, we better be ready when he comes. If you know those three things this morning, you know everything that you really need to know about end times and Bible prophecy. Let's talk about the third thing this morning. Let's talk about the challenge. Matthew 24, verse 42 through 44, Jesus said, so you too must keep watch. For you don't know what day your Lord is coming. Jesus said, understand this, if a homeowner... If he knew exactly when a burglar was coming, he would keep watch and not permit his house to be broken into. You must also be ready all the time. Say all the time. You must be ready all the time for the Son of Man will come when least expected. As we wait for and anticipate the return of the Lord Jesus Christ, there are three things that that God's Word challenges us to do. The first challenge that Jesus gives us is to wash. What what do we do as we wait for the coming, the return of the Lord Jesus Christ? What should we be doing? Number one, Jesus said we ought to wash. Or if you're from Arkansas, wash. Wash. Did you know that when Jesus comes back at the time of the rapture, he's not coming for everybody? He's only coming for the saints at the time of the rapture. He's coming for the bride. He's coming for his church. Oh, he's coming for his bride. And let me tell you this morning, he will not, he will not accept an impure bride. And he will not accept an unfaithful bride. So if you've been cheating on him, he's not coming for you. Now, I understand that all of us are impure and all of us are unfaithful in and of ourselves. We become pure, we become holy, we become righteous, we become acceptable only through receiving what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25 through 27, Christ loved the church. Oh, and he gave up his life for her in order to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of the word of the Lord. He did this to present her to himself a glorious church without a spot, without a wrinkle, without any other blemish. Instead, she will be holy and without fault. What should we do as we await the return of Christ? We should should wash. We should bathe in the cleansing blood of the Lord Jesus Christ and in his cleansing word. Hardly a, day's go, hardly a day goes by, but what I do not ask the Lord to purify me. And I tell the Lord what needs purified in my life. Daily I tell Him, Lord, Lord, purify my eyes. I need you to purify my eyes so I will not look with lust. I pray, God, purify my mind so I will not think ungodly thoughts. I pray God purify my ears so I will not listen to gossip. I pray God purify my tongue so I will not speak unkind or slanderous words. 
I pray daily, God, purify my feet so I will not walk with the world. And purify my hands so I will not touch what is unclean. And purify my heart so it will only be First John 3 and 3, oh, those who have the expectation of Christ's return purifies himself. What should we do as we await the return of the Lord Jesus Christ? Well, the first thing we ought to do is wash. The second thing we ought to be doing, we ought, according to Jesus, is we ought to watch. We ought to watch. Pastor, what does it mean to watch. Does it mean that we just sit in a, in, in a lawn chair and gaze up into the sky 24-7 as we watch for the Lord to return? No, to watch simply means to be aware. Simply means to anticipate. It simply means to be ready for. Let me suggest that we watch by having a daily quiet time where we read the Word and spend time in His presence through prayer. We watch by coming to church and worshiping and, and hearing the Word. We watch by not allowing ourselves to become attached to this world and our earthly life. We watch by staying in daily contact with the Lord. Not everybody, not everybody is going to go with the Lord when He comes. Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 28 says, To those, I mean, no, when He says to those, He's about to be specific. He said to those, what those? He said to those who eagerly wait for Him, He will appear the second time. Three challenges that have been issued to God's people who wait on the return of Christ. Number one, wash. Number two, watch. Number three, work. Hallelujah. You see, the reason why nobody knows the day or the hour of Christ's return is it's because God knew that if He told us the day and the hour, if He told us the exactly when He was coming back, God knew that we would do one of two things. Either, and this would be if we lived far off from His return, then we would sit down relax and do nothing until right up until he's ready for them to come and then we would jump up and busy ourselves. I've got two brothers. One is five years older than me. One is less than a year older than me. And so the one not quite a year older than me, we were paired up in many, many things. And I remember many, and we are as different as night and day. Daylight and dark, miles apart in everything. And I remember as a kid, mom or dad would say, now I'm going to be gone and I want y'all to clean the garage. Mike and Dennis, you clean the garage. Bruce, you do that, but Mike and Dennis, you clean the garage. Or Mike and Dennis, you clean up the yard or Whatever. Now I've always, it's just who I am. I've just, I've just been the kind that I just, you know, I want to just get in there and get it done. Because I can't enjoy my day till I get it done. So I want to get in there, get it done, and then I'll play. 
knowing that I got it done, I'm not going to be in trouble when mom and dad gets back. And not only did I want to get it done, I only want to do it right. Just, that's just who I am. If you're going to do it, I don't want to do it. But if I have to do it, it's going to be done right. If I'm cleaning the garage, and I don't do it very often, I expected an amen. But everything goes out. Every corner is swept. I mean, it's done right. My brother... Okay, Dennis, mom and dad said we got to clean the garage. Let's go clean the garage. First of all, he's older than me. I ain't his boss. He's tougher than me. He beat me up. He did many times. He just lay around, do whatever he wants, slouch around, do whatever he wants. In about 15 minutes till mom and dad's supposed to be there. Then he wants to jump in there and do a halfway job. It used to drive me insane. <laughs> I had a problem. I wanted it done right, but I was too lazy to do it all by myself. My brother's not helping me. What am I going to do? He'd wait till the last minute and just kind of do a Halfway job. Mom and dad's coming. They're going to be here in 15 minutes. Bobby, Bobby, go, 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 go. Hurry up. What should have taken us two hours? We've got to do it in 15 minutes. <laughs> Jesus knew that if, if we knew the day and the hour that many would just sit down and relax and say, okay, sarah, sarah, and do absolutely nothing until just a few moments before he comes, and then we would get up and try and do in 15 minutes what it should have taken us our whole life to do. On the other hand, if we knew his return was soon, he knew that we might sit down, hold hands, and sing Kumbaya. He didn't want us doing either of these things. No one knows the day or the hour of Christ's return because, because God wants us working for him right up until the time of the trumpet blast. Luke 9 and 13, Jesus said, Occupy or work until I come. Jesus has issued every one of us this morning a challenge as we wait for and anticipate his return. His challenge to us today is to wash and to watch and to work. The fourth thing I want to talk about today is the chaos. The return of Christ will happen in two stages. Listen very carefully this morning. The return of Christ will happen in two stages. Christ first comes for his church. Say for. Christ first comes for his church. We call this the rapture. The word rapture is not in the Bible, but the event is. At the time of the rapture, 
Christ appears in the clouds above the earth. He doesn't come all the way to the earth. He appears in the clouds over the earth. And at that moment, all born-again Christians left on planet earth are caught up with Christ in the air and they are taken to heaven. And for the next seven years approximately, the saints will be in heaven with the Lord Jesus. They will be standing before the judgment seat and then they will be enjoying the marriage supper of the Lamb. Now while this is happening with the saints in heaven, Christ's return for His church will begin the tribulation period on planet earth. See, different things will be happening in heaven than will be happening on planet earth. When the Lord comes for His saints, when He comes in the rapture and takes His saints out of this world and takes them into His presence in heaven, total chaos will start taking place on planet earth as God eventually begins to pour out His wrath. And you don't want to be here. Matthew 24 and 21 says then, For then there will be great tribulation, such as has not been since the beginning of the world, until this time, no, nor ever shall be. The book of the Revelation, basically chapters 6 through 18, basically describes in vivid detail the horror and total chaos that will transpire during this period of time. I picked out just a few of the things that the Bible says will happen on planet earth during this seven year period of tribulation. The Bible says that sometime during this time 100 pound hailstones will fall from the sky. Think about that. The Bible says hideous boils will appear on people. The Bible says that For part of this time, the rivers and the streams will be turned into blood. And a third of all the fish on planet earth will die. Can you imagine? You think fish stinks now? For a particular part of this time, famine will be worldwide. For a particular period of this time, the sun, the Bible said, will be turned into blood. Scorpions will sting people and cause indescribable pain. And for a part of this seven-year period, man will not be allowed to die. He will try to die, but death will evade him. He may shoot himself in the head, but he will not die. Wow. During a particular part of this tribulation period, stars will fall out of the sky. And on and on. I just, I just picked out a few this morning of the things that are going to take place and transpire during the tribulation period that will take place on planet earth after the rapture, after the saints are taken to heaven. Believe me this morning, you do not want to be here for this chaotic and catastrophic period of time. Now, at the end of this seven-year period, Christ will return to planet Earth with His saints. Say, with. At the end of this seven-year period, Christ will return to planet Earth with His saints. 
He first comes for his saints. Seven years later, he comes back with his saints. And at this particular time, he will fight and win the battle of Armageddon. And then he will set up his literal kingdom on planet earth. And we, his bride, his church, we will rule and we will reign with him right here on planet earth for a thousand years. And there will be a thousand years of peace. This is the second part of his return. The fifth thing I want to talk about this morning is the choice. Pastor, I just don't believe all this nonsense you're teaching. That's fine. No problem. It's your choice. You can choose to believe or you can choose to scoff. If you choose to scoff at this teaching, you will eventually, you will actually, let me say that again, if you choose to scoff at this teaching, you will actually be a part of the majority because most people don't believe this. Even church people, they say they believe it, but if they really believe it, they'd live different. Tell me one thing with your lips. But your life tells something else. Hallelujah. Most people don't believe this. Excuse me. Second Peter chapter 3 and verse 3. Scoffers will come in the last days walking according unto their own lusts and saying, where is the promise of His coming? Ah, since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. You have a choice to make today. You can choose to believe or choose not to believe. You can choose to prepare for His coming or you can choose to party because you don't believe He will really come. The choice is yours. I cannot make the choice for you this morning. Your parents cannot make the choice for you. Your spouse, your best friends cannot make the choice for you. It is your choice, but here's what I believe this morning. Here's what I believe with all of my heart and that is believers will escape God's wrath. God will rapture or God will take away all of His saints from planet earth before the great tribulation, before He pours out His wrath. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 9 says, God did not appoint us to wrath. Now there's pre-trib, mid-trib, and post-trib beliefs, pre-tribulation Rapture is, we believe, and that's who we are. We believe that before the tribulation period, we are, we are raptured, we're taken out. Some believe it's in the middle of the tribulation that the rapture occurs. And others believe that it's at the end of the tribulation that it occurs. I don't even know why they'd even need that one. They could just go, whoop, whoop. I believe with all my heart in a pre-tribulation rapture. I believe that before, uh, before the tribulation actually begins, we will be raptured. We will be caught away. We will be taken away to be with the Lord. And that's what we teach here. You don't have to believe it, but you do have to, you, just, you can't uh, teach something opposite of that because Paul said we all should teach the same thing because if we don't, we cause confusion. Amen. If you want to stay around longer, stay around longer. I'm out of here on the first load. 
I believe in pre-trib rapture. If by chance it is mid-trib rapture, which I do not believe that it is, here's what I know that I know that I know. It doesn't matter anyway because we have not been appointed under wrath. As long as I get out of here before the wrath, I'm I'm good. I'm really pre-wrath. That's who I am. Amen. That's what the Bible says. 1 Thessalonians 5 and 9. God did not appoint us to wrath. Listen, friend. God indeed, He indeed has made an appointment to pour out His wrath on planet earth. But hear me this morning. His saints are not a part of that appointment. Believers will escape God's wrath. Scoffers will endure God's wrath. The choice is yours today. Will you choose to believe and therefore escape God's wrath? Or will you choose to scoff at and reject this teaching today? Uh, Which will eventually place you among the scoffers. Oh, that will have to endure the wrath of God. The choice is yours. The last thing I want to talk about this morning, I want to talk about the comfort. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Verse 13 through 18. Paul writes, he says, I don't want you to be uninformed, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep or those that have died. Lest you sorrow as others who don't have any hope. Paul says, you see, if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so we believe that God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. And then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord, and therefore comfort one another with these Words. Verse 18 says, comfort one another. Comfort one another. With these words. What words, Paul? The words he just wrote in verses 13 through 17. In these verses, I see two sources of comfort. The first source of comfort found here is information. You know, information can be very comforting. Now, I don't have time this morning, my time is up, but I I don't have time this morning to talk about all the information that, that Paul gives us here, but let me just mention one bit of information that these verses give us. And it is the information about where our dead loved ones are who were saved at the time of their death. Ask you what happens to the saints when they die. The Bible tells us what happens to the saints when they die, and it brings us comfort. Verse 14 says that when Jesus comes at the time of the rapture, he will bring with him. Say with him. He will bring with him. Who? Those who sleep in Jesus or those that died as children of God. They were saints when they died. This is some very comforting information Because you see, Jesus cannot bring them back with him if they are not already there. 
didn't say he's coming for them. said he's coming with them. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 5 and 8, to be absent from the body is to be at home with the Lord. You see, just as soon as a person dies, when they take their last breath on planet earth, their soul and their spirit immediately goes to one of two places. The soul and spirit of a saint, a child of God, goes immediately into the presence of God in heaven to be absent from the body. It's present to be present with the Lord. The soul and the spirit of a sinner goes immediately to hell. The Bible said the rich man died and in hell he lifted up his eyes being in torments. At the time of the rapture, Jesus brings the soul and the spirit of every saint, every child of God, every believer that has died. He brings the soul and the spirit of those departed loved ones of ours. He brings them with them, with him at the time of the rapture. He brings them with him, and at the time of the rapture, the dead bodies of the saints are resurrected. At the same time. And given a glorified body. That glorified body is united with that eternal soul and spirit of that person. And we all spend the eternal ages with Christ in our glorified, perfect, eternal body. Oh yes, friends, information can certainly bring about comfort, but I said, I said these verses provide two sources of comfort. And they do. The first source of comfort is information. The second source of comfort is transformation. What about those who are still alive on planet earth at the time of the rapture? What happens to the saints at this time? Transformation. At the time of the rapture or return of Christ, all saints still alive on planet earth will immediately and instantly be changed. Our earthly bodies will turn into heavenly bodies. Oh, the, oh listen friend, the, the incredible Hulk has nothing on us. First Corinthians 15 verse 51 through 53, but let me reveal to you a wonderful secret. We will not all die, but we will all be transformed. It will happen in a moment in the blink of an eye when the last trumpet is blown. For when the trumpet sounds, those who have died will be raised to live forever. And we who are living will also be transformed. For our dying bodies must be transformed into bodies that will never die. Our mortal bodies must be transformed into immortal bodies. Oh yes, my friends, what great comfort comes to us as we contemplate the awesome transformation. Braden, if you could come and Brother David, if you'll go and get ready to be baptized this morning at this time, just go out this door right here and Brother Ricky will help you this morning. We got somebody to baptize at the end of this service this morning. We've been talking about the return of Christ. Jesus will return. It's only a matter of time. The question is today, are we ready? Are we ready for His return? 
When he returns, will, will we go to heaven with him? Or will we be left on planet earth to experience his terrible wrath? The question that we need to answer this morning is, are we believers or are we scoffers? I'm a believer. Are you? He's coming for his bride. But he's coming for an excited bride. as I stood at the altar and said my vows to my fiance and she became my wife if I could have seen in her eyes any kind of hesitation or any lack of excitement about becoming my bride I'd have left her at the altar somebody that's excited about being my bride and if I'd have found out she'd been unfaithful to me can't answer that question for sure but it'd be pretty hard I still had a chance to get out he's coming He's not just coming for anybody. He's coming for an excited church. I know we all display excitement in many different ways. You don't have to dance on the front row like I do to be excited. He's coming for an excited church. He's coming for a pure church. He's coming for a faithful church. Have you been cheating on him? Or have you been faithful to him? Every head bowed and every eye closed. Father, I just pray today. Father, that you will take this word this morning that has been delivered. Part teaching, part preaching, whatever it is today, but it's what we need to hear. God, I pray if there's anyone here today, they're not ready. I pray today will be the day when they make themselves ready for the coming of the Lord. Your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed today just for a couple of minutes today and we're already over time, but it's just going to be that way today, I guess. You're here today and you're not 100%. You're not 100% sure in your heart that if the trumpet should sound before lunchtime and Christ should come for His church, you're not 100% sure that He'd take you. Man, if that was me, it'd scare me to death. If you're not 100% sure today, you're ready to meet the Lord. You can leave here with 100% certainty today. If I've described to you today, you're not 100% sure, I want you to lift your hand real quick all over this room. Lift your hand real quick. I'm not 100% sure. Not 100%. Let me tell you, if you're 98% sure, you're 100% unsure. 
I'm not 100% sure, Pastor. Can I see your hand this morning? Anyone? All right, I wonder if you might be here today. You'd say like that one gentleman in the Bible said to the Lord, he said, Lord, I believe. But help my unbelief. Lord, I, I believe. There's so much teaching to the contrary and there's so much worldliness today and so much humanism today and so many people trying, trying to discredit the Bible. And I believe, but sometimes a little unbelief, a little doubt creeps in. Lord, I believe. Lord, I need you to help me with my unbelief. If that's you this morning, I want you to lift your hand. God bless you and you. Thank you for your honesty this morning. How many others this morning? I believe, but I sometimes have a little bit of problem with doubt. Anyone? Father, I just pray for these two that have lifted their hand today. They believe, and Lord, I I know they do. But Lord, I also know that we're human. And sometimes as humans, a little doubt, a little unbelief comes in. I just pray today that, Lord, that you will help them with their unbelief. You will help them to have 100% faith and belief today. God, I just pray that you'll help us today to be ready, to be ready for your coming, Lord Jesus. To be excited, to be pure, to be righteous in your sight. Be prepared for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm going to go back in the back and prepare to baptize David. Braden's going to lead us in a chorus.